Hey guys, welcome to the special Satisfied series with the Real Life Podcast. I'm so thrilled you are here. For this special eight-week series, I've gotten to interview my dearest friends who I look up to, I've learned so much from, and I do life with, and we talk about all the things, all the real-life things of how to become satisfied women in different roles and areas that we live in every day. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you enjoy this next episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Real Life Podcast. I am so excited today for our special Satisfied series to have my dear friend Julie Cannon on. And I just asked her to come on and talk about grief and the hope in it. Um, Before we go into today's podcast, though, I just want to tell you a little about this special woman. She is one of my dear friends. She is like one of my favorite people, so funny, but she also is just the most warm, welcoming um, presence to be around. I kind of, we joke, I kind of see her as Oprah where you get to come and sit on her couch and all of a sudden like you're just sharing everything and she meets you with such um, hope and kindness and compassion and empathy. And so it is such an honor to be able to have her on today and for you guys to get the honor of listening to her and her story. So thank you so much for being on today, Julie. Well, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here and to see you. Just saw you a couple of weeks ago. So now I get to see I you. I know. For Zoom. So thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Okay, so for the listeners that who don't know you yet, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, your family, what your um, daily may look like? Yeah, so um, right now, uh, currently living in Nashville, Tennessee, well, just South Franklin, Um, and uh, we are uh, in the middle of moving houses right now, so um, we're a little bit uh, out of place, so I'm here in Oregon with my family, but... um, we are um, the parents of one little girl who is adopted. My husband, Chad, and I adopted her when she was an infant, uh, and she has been with us. She is four and almost a half years old, so um, I'm home with her, and that is exactly what I want to be doing um, every day. Um, is fun and challenging and exciting and different, and she's just the sweetest girl and a huge part of you know why we are the way we are today. Um, so my day just looks like being with her and being a wife and a mom and, um, you know, doing some things in between that I'm passionate about, but, um, just thrilled to be able to do that. I'm blessed. Yes. And crew is so cute. I can't believe she's four. That's so crazy. She's going through like a growth phase right now of she talks a lot and she's like trying to, uh, um, tell us all of her emotions and they come out really fast and she gets frustrated. And so, um, it's been fun to parent that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so sweet. And Julie's being modest too. She's like an amazing photographer. She's writing her own book and she recently took up golf, which is so fun. Can you tell us just a little bit about why you guys took up golf and I don't know, just tell us about the world of golf. Cause it's so foreign to me. I'm not one to brag typically, but I just shot my (laughs) best um, score I've ever shot today, 74. I had four birdies and I finished with two eagles. If you don't know anything about golf, you're like, what does that mean? Um, If you know (laughs) something about golf, it's really good. I just played lights out today. So um, that's why I'm in my golf outfit. Um, But yeah, so we, um, 
I grew up playing golf, played with my family uh, growing up. And it's one of the things we did together as a family. It, it's fond memories for me. And so uh, when I got married, I thought I would, of course, be able to convert Chad into a golfer. And he just wasn't really having it. Um, it didn't fit his personality. You kind of have to have some patience. And it's not that he's, in, <laughs> but um, he's just not, he doesn't go super slow. I mean, he's a little bit like Jeff that way. So um, mm-hmm. he just, he didn't necessarily enjoy, yeah, the slow life, kind of being out in nature, enjoying that. Um but so this year, obviously in quarantine, a lot of the world shut down and we ended up having a conversation with a friend who's a golfer and Chad was intrigued. Uh, and so he said, well, why don't we go buy some clubs uh, and play golf? And so, um, so we did, we bought clubs, we got a membership to a course and started playing golf. And, um, and now he is fully invested. It's his favorite sport. We play all the time. Um, but you know, it was been more than just a game to us. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, um, so I guess took it up in about June or July um, and we can just sort of dive right into what happened this yeah. year with us. Let's go. But, um, so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about this kind of start from the beginning and back up. But um, in May, right around our anniversary, we found out we were pregnant, um, which was a miracle. Um, honestly, uh, we were told we weren't supposed to be able to have kids. We don't really know why it just hasn't happened. We've been married for, it will be 15 years in May. Um, and yeah, we got pregnant and it was miraculous. And, um, honestly, I mean, yeah, it was miraculous and, um, I can still look back on it. And my first thought was fear. I was like, I don't, I don't know like this. I I just fear overcame me. And then, Mm immediately um just kind of turned to hope uh and we enjoyed the entire thing um while it lasted which wasn't very long so um actually on father's day we ended up miscarrying the baby um and so yeah so that was that was hard um so uh golf comes into the story because you know just by the pure grace of god chad actually gets a sabbath every three years at his job And so, um, we left about a week after that happened, took a trip out to Oregon. Uh, we drove from Nashville to Oregon, um, and got to spend a month, uh, just healing and being with my family Mm -hmm. and playing golf. And as funny as it sounds, I mean, we really attribute golf to a lot of our healing, um, you know, through this time, because you think about sort of dredging through these times that you go through, um, and, you know, for me and for us as a family, it was really play that kind of brought us out of some of those moments of despair and, and into nature and mm-hmm. into like the glory of God surrounding us. And, you know, uh, the air going through, you know, uh, the wind, you know, passing through our veins and the smell of the air and the beauty of the trees and um, just being able to be together. So um, as trivial as it may sound, it's been super healing for us. Um, and so, um Long story short, that's sort of what happened in our year. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Julie. And I love that you guys, I love that you guys are doing it together as a family. Crew goes with you guys. Um, But I do think there is such an aspect, and I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but about when you go through grief of doing something, I love that you guys did play in order to um, heal. And I know when I've gone through such a grief, grieving season, mine was like, I needed to create something beautiful. I needed to do art, 
when I felt like, you know, there was death and loss, it's like, I need to make something beautiful. And I think that is such a important thing, realizing that it's not all just like in our mind or our emotions. It's like being physically doing something, um, is how, is part of how we heal. Can you share with us just a little bit more of what it was like to walk through, you know, 14 years of infertility and the grief, grieving that process? And then, um, just how, talk a little bit about grief and, um, cause that's, you know, and then into your miscarriage, maybe about what you felt or things that you believed or had to wrestle with. Yeah. Um, so I wrestled a little bit with how much I wanted to, to share today. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think without getting kind of the full scope of, of my story, it's, I don't think you really grasp the whole thing. And I mean, first of all, I know this is something that's really common and I know, um, it feels like something that people, that, that women and men really are still sort of walk through alone a lot. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, it, it is such a personal thing and there, there can be shame attached to it and, um, you know, who knows what's going on. So I know it's, it's, you know, miscarriage and fertility, like those things are so common today. Um, and so, you know, a lot of me sharing kind of the full scope of what I, what I went through could touch on a lot of things that other people have gone through. Um, so yeah, so we, um, so we moved to uh, Nashville from San Diego about six years into our marriage, five, uh, maybe five or six years into our marriage. And at that point, I had had a photography business that was doing pretty well. Um, but when we moved to Nashville, we thought you know, now would be a good time to start a family. And so I didn't really pick up, you know, um, kind of a formal business per se. Um, and, you know, it didn't happen right away and it really didn't happen at all. And so that was a really dark season for me personally. Um, I would say in our marriage at the time, Chad was starting a new career and he was super career driven at that point. And this is not a knock on him or even a knock on men. Um, and not to say that everybody deals with, with it the same, but he was kind of, um, almost aloof, like, cause he didn't experience it the way that I did, you know, every month right. was it mm-hmm. physically, he was really involved in his career. So in a lot of ways I felt really, <laughs> Bless you. Sorry. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> I felt really uh, alone in it um, and held a lot of things in. And what really compounded a lot of the um, a lot of the grief and a lot of the, the shame for me was um, at 23 years old, right after college, I went through a, a life altering event um, that was traumatic um, and um, that I actually uh, how do I want to say this? Um, I sort of locked it away and didn't tell anybody about mm-hmm. for, I don't know, almost 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I didn't tell Chad, I didn't tell anybody. So I was in California at the time uh, when that happened and I literally ran away. I moved to Nashville and I just locked it away um, and, you know, kept it as a secret. And it's something that affected my marriage. And when it came around to having kids and us kind of struggling and going through not being able to have kids. I mean, what it did was just compound a ton of shame onto my Mm -hmm. life. Of course I deserved this. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it was all my fault and, um, you know, I can't even come to the place where I can share what I'm going through. 
Uh, and, you know, at the time, Chad wasn't necessarily feeling things. And I mean, what I've learned about being married to him is that we grieve very differently and we process things very differently. Um, and he sort of goes away in those times. And, you know, when I really want him to just sort of sit with me in the things that I'm going through and, you know, when he does come to the place where he can sit with me and the things we're going through, he just wants to solve them. And that's not even necessarily what I need. I just need him to be there. Right. Um, I think that's a lot of just, um, the struggle that we have as people is like, um, I was reading, I think it was in Mark, um, when Jesus is asking his disciples to just like not fall asleep on him mm-hmm. and they all fell asleep. He just wanted him to be there, like in his pain, like, just don't fall asleep. That's it. Like that's yeah. all. Um, and so I think a lot of it is just, you know, um, when you're going through things like that, like, and you feel like you're going through them alone, it compounds, um, it just compounds it all. And so we walked through all of those years of, of infertility. And uh, at the same time, I was sort of holding this, you know, thing inside of me that had happened to me, um, that affected all of these things is very close, um, to, you know, what was happening. And so, you know, we decided, um, that we were going to go down the process of adoption. Uh, and, you know, that sort of started kind of unraveling a lot of the things that had happened for me personally in my past, started unraveling the ways that we had dealt with them or hadn't dealt with them in our marriage. And, you know, for me personally, I was in so much pain and I felt like I had nobody to talk to. And, you know, it really shifted the way that I felt that God felt about me. Like in my mind, I was you know, uh, not dealing with things in a, in a healthy way. I was numbing my pain. Um, and, you know, I was dealing with all this shame and keeping all these things inside of me. And, and then I couldn't do the thing that I was built to do as a woman. Um, and, you know, on, t- on top of that sort of every day, the, the conversation I was having with myself is this is what you deserve. Like, mm. and this is, this must be how God sees you because, you know, I just am hard on myself and that's what shame does. It tells you lies. Um, and so we decided to go down this, this path of adoption, which was a really slow unraveling of all of these things that I had gone through up to this point. And, you know, adoption is a, um, it's a, it's a process obviously. And part of that is you have to answer a lot of questions about who you are. And in this case, what do you believe about God? And, um, you know, it, it causes for a lot of self-reflection. Um, and so through that process, uh, we, um, you know, you have somewhat of a say. And so we were deciding if we wanted to say yes to a boy or a girl or a boy and a girl and, you know, all of these other um, scenarios. And in my mind, I had um, I had kind of said, well, if I can have a say in this, I'm just going to say that, that we want boys. And um, in my mind, so what had happened to me was a sexual trauma. Um, and in my mind, I felt like I could keep a boy from doing that, but I couldn't protect a girl, which mm. is backwards. It's, it's all, it's all backwards, but it was part of how I felt like I could control something that was uncontrollable. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, I remember having a conversation with our adoption. Um, I always call her a counselor cause that's what she feel, feels like that they were. <laughs> The counselor. Anyway, I, I called her and I had a conversation with her and I was like, I think I'm playing God to nothing this. And she was, you know, listened to me. And, you know, in the end, I, I didn't tell her why. I just said, you know, I want to be a boy mom, but I feel like I'm playing God too much in this. And, 
you know, at the end of it, very compassionately, she was like, I just think you need to pray about it. Like maybe you are sort of, maybe you should open it. Maybe you shouldn't. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Um, but I'm going to just encourage you that, you know, since you brought it up and <laughs> like pray about it. And so we did. Um, and this isn't the way that God always works, but yesterday Chris case came across our desk. Um, we said yes to her. And then the next day we were told she was ours. Um, and I can't imagine our life without her. Um, mm-hmm at all. And I love being a girl mom and, you know, all of those things. But, um, at this point I was still holding this, the secret in, and, um, I still had these lies going on in my head that, um, you know, of course, um, I didn't deserve this and something's probably going to go wrong. And so, you know, I can remember the first couple of weeks of just being so protective of her. And I was really worried about her getting sick and all of these things. Um, and of course none of that happened and this is probably new mom anxiety anyway. Um, but, um, so we had had her home for about two months or so. Um, hopefully this isn't too much. I'm trying to tell the whole. No, this is wonderful. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so we had had her home for about two months and, uh, we got a call from our social worker and I'm going to kind of talk in vague terms here just to protect her story, but, um, essentially something had, had come up, um, and what we were told on the phone that day is that we would probably be losing her out of our home, that she would probably have to leave our home. Um, there weren't there weren't a lot of ways that she would end up not leaving our home is the way that this started out. And it wasn't something that we did wrong. It was a situation out of our control, not something we could have seen coming. Um, and I remember where I was in the middle of Trader Joe's that day um, when I got the call, um, left my shopping cart, don't remember driving home, got home and just collapsed. Um, because in my mind, it was like somebody, I mean, we were told she was going to leave our home, you know, and it was, um, awful. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. Um, and so for about the next four months, uh, we were kind of told the same thing. I mean, it was just whatever scenario it ended up being, um, she just probably wasn't going to be with us for very long. And of course, in my mind, with everything I had gone through, like, I, I caused this, like there was something, I I just deserve this. This is the way that it's supposed to be. Um, and it wasn't like a, what was me thing? It was just like, it was just a product of, um, carrying so much for so long on my own and, you know, the grief of, um, infertility, um, the shame of what had happened to me, the shame of how I had dealt with it. Um, the fear of, like if everybody knew all of these things, you know, was my biggest fear. Like, what would, what would you think about my husband leave me? Like all, like all of these irrational things are going on in my head. Um, the story with crew ended up that she, she's still with us obviously. Um, but it caused a lot of, uh, self-reflection for both me and Chad and a lot of just time with God of saying like, you know, I think when you, when you encounter times like this, like you can kind of run away from God or you can run to them. And I felt like I I got to a point of like, okay, God, like, you know, all of these things, like, you know what I'm carrying, you know, the fear, obviously you knew this was coming. Like, what is it? Like, what do you have for me here? You know? Um, And we got through that time together as a family. Uh, And then, um, I don't know, probably a a few months later, I ended up really coming to a place where all of this stuff came out and it wasn't in a way that, um, that I would have liked for it to come out. It, um, 
but it did, it all came out. Um, and we ended up, um, in counseling together as a couple, um, that really started a year of miraculous healing. Honestly, like I never thought I would wake up a day in my life and not feel ashamed. Like I used to wake up at five in the morning and talk myself out of like, um, talk myself into being worthy of anything that I had really. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, but like, <laughs> you know what I think in all of this, like in, in that season of life, I can remember, um, as I sort of got used to, um, you know, telling the truth about my story and the truth of how I saw myself and the truth of how God saw myself, you know, the way that God planted people in my life at certain times. Um, I can remember a friend coming through town and this was like all fresh. This had all just come out. And I remember her sitting on my couch and I was telling her everything I'd been through to this point and, you know, in fear that she might just get up and, and walk out, you know, mm-hmm. um, but she just, she sat on my couch and listened to everything and just had the most compassionate answer, um, to me. And so, and so I don't know, it just like every fear that I had, that I carried, that I had, you know, sort of walked through alone with all of these things started to disappear when it came out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I could hand these things to God and I could hand them to my community of people around me. And, um, And so, yeah, it just started this year of just like weight being taken off my shoulders. I remember sitting in my counselor's office one time and I just told her something that, um, that I had been afraid to tell, um, anybody. And after I said it, she said, how did, how did, how do you feel? And I was like, like I took a a deep breath for the first time in 15 years. Mm, Wow. Um, so, so yeah, so, um, so then, you know, we went through that year of, of healing and then, um, I don't know, my life just started flourishing in ways that I never knew possible. And really through friendships, through community, through peace, through joy, through like these things that the Bible talks about that I said, I believed forever, but had never experienced. So a lot of my, you know, wrestling with God and like really trying to wrestle for hope. I, I just wanted it so bad. I knew it was, you know, I knew it was real. I knew it was a thing. Um, and I know the end of the story and that's what I always could, could grasp onto. Like I've read the Bible. I know the end of the story. I know why Jesus died for us. Like I know that hope is real. Um, but I just felt like for so long I was trying, like I was just reaching for it. And, um, I don't know, like when you finally sort of understand like the, the weight of it all, like the weight of why Jesus did what he did and what that means for your life. Um, it, it, it's felt miraculous in many ways. And so that's why I think when, you know, we got pregnant and what's been so hard about, about it all is that in my mind, it made so much sense. Like in my mind, like, you know, gone through all of these years of, you know, through the past three years of healing and, um, it wasn't like I got myself right. And then Jesus blessed me. It wasn't that at all. It was just like, Oh, of course this makes sense. Like this is like, I guess I received the miracle. Right. right? So I received, mm-hmm. like I was able to receive it mm-hmm. in a way that felt beautiful, like in a way that felt like, okay, I am worthy of this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then it obviously didn't work out the way that, um, that I would have hoped, but like, it still doesn't, it still doesn't negate the fact that that was a miraculous thing that happened in my life and Mm -hmm. in our life. 
And that I kid you not every single day. Like I just, I enjoyed, like I felt the joy of it and the miracle of it every day. And that you can't take that away from me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that's what might made, made it as hard to sort of deal with, but like, but I don't know. So I think those are just the, the two things intention of, of any loss or of any hard thing that you go through. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's the long, the long story. Yes. Oh, Julie, you are, I know that your story is reaching so many listeners right now and in my own heart even. And I, one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on, cause I remember when I was at your house, this was before you guys even had crew and you had just finished this book, I think called the allure of hope. Do you remember that? I remember you saying like, this is the best book I've ever read on hope. And I don't know if you would say that still, but I just remember, I feel like I've always, um, uh, I don't even know what you call it, have longed for hope, been drawn to hope. And so I feel like it kind of started this journey for me of like, what is hope and who is hope? And um, and I know that through your grieving and your journey, I feel like you've always just shown this light of hope. And I think so many people, like that's what we need is hope, whether through a grief or a loss or shame. Um, and so I just love that your story is that. And even when you dis- did miscarry, that you still had hope in it of just like seeing it as a miracle. I love what you said, receiving the miracle that God gave you guys. Um, what would you tell somebody who feels the same thing maybe of I'm unworthy or the shame that they put on themselves? How would you... What was the one thing that you would say to them to encourage them to get out of that or to change their thinking? Um, so, ooh, um, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something that somebody told me <laughs> that mm-hmm. was really impactful. Um, so it had been about a year. So we had kind of gone through the bulk of our kind of counseling journey. And I, I will say coming out of counseling, um, I remember the last one of the last sessions that we had with our counselor, she asked me, she was a Christian counselor. And she said, so, so where, like, where do you stand like with God right now? And I was like, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like at that time, like I was kind of wrestling with some things and, and it's not that I ever stopped believing in God. I never did. In fact, like through that, I did become closer to him, but I think there was still like something, there was like a piece missing for me. Um, and I remember really digging in, deeper, even after we sort of, um, left our counseling sessions. Um, and I had gone to a, uh, a retreat in Colorado. It's a life planning retreat. The Patterson center puts it on. Um, and it's, um, it was a wonderful experience. Part of what they did for us. Um, one of the first exercises we did is kind of had to make a timeline of our life of the highs and lows and draw them in. And it really made you think about your story as a whole. Uh, mm-hmm. And we had breakout sessions and times that we had alone. And there was a guy there, his name's David. He was one of the facilitators, a really, really nice guy. And I sat down with him and I started telling him my story and, you know, every bit of it. And mm-hmm. he was just there listening and asking good questions. And I think he could sense the hesitancy in my voice. And he said, you know, Julie, I sense that you're somebody who's really strong and you get through things and you know, you can do this on your own a little bit. And, you know, when I sense you have this like hope and he called me somebody who's a wounded healer, uh, mm-hmm. he had all of these words spoken over my life. He said, but I have one question for you. And I said, okay. And he said, do you believe that God's voice is kind? 
Mm. And I was like, I just kind of broke, well, I broke down crying. And I was like, at the time, like it it took me back. And I was like, actually, I I don't know. Like, Mm. no, I, maybe not. Like the answer was I had to go away and, you know, sit and kind of stew in that a little bit. And I think, you know, even, even the amount of healing that we had gone through, like, I don't think I ever thought about that. And if I did in that moment, my, my honest answer probably was, well, I'm not, I'm not sure. And maybe not like, maybe there were still some, some things I was hanging on to. Maybe the shame was talking louder than, you know, the, um, the grace of God and the mercy of God. Mm. Um, and so I had to really dig into that. And I think that would be the question, like I would ask, I would have you ask yourself or Mm. ask yourself about, um, and if the answer is no, like that, that's a lie. Like mm-hmm. God's voice is a kind voice. Um, he, he just asks that you come to him and lay at his feet and blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Like he has compassion mm-hmm. on us. Um, and especially over our shame, over shame that's been done to us or shame that we have on our life. Um, there's, that's just not from God. It's not, right. and mm-hmm. he wants you just to come to him and be in his presence and tell him he already knows anyway. But his voice is kind of like, like, I never really saw him as the angry God coming, coming down at me, but as the, like, um, like the, the slightly disappointed God, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, and so I would just say like that he's kind, he's a kind father and that you can, you can go like nestle in his lap and um, you can tell him and he's, he's going to be there and he's going to be like, I, I already know. And mm-hmm. it's okay. And let me show you a better way. Yeah. And so me, like that, that shift, that one question really shifted and propelled the way that I think about God in, in, a, in a much different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that helps. It helps me. So yes. Amen. Amen, Julie. That is so good. And I think it's, it's um, I don't know what the right word is. It's funny to me sometimes how it can be just such a simple question that transforms us (laughs) like realizing is it do we hear the lord as a kind like do we believe he's a kind god and i think when we have a voice for so many years that is unkind that is the lies is the shame that i totally like breaks through everything knowing that jesus is kind and just as you said like invites us to come and he showers us with grace and love um And so, man, I just, that is just so poignant. And I love that you said that. So, okay. So I want to just go a little, um, veer off a little bit, but I know it is related. I know that you're writing a book and you guys, I've been waiting for Julie to write a book for years now. It is going to be so good and so beautiful. If you do not follow her on Instagram, you should, because even her posts are just beautiful and gospel truth and just meets you right where you're at. Um, but I would love, because it does relate, I would love for you to just share um, what exactly it is that you're writing about, like the the theme, and I know it's based on a chapter in Isaiah. I would just love, I know you were telling me recently, and I was like, this is so gold. So I would love it if you could share it with us. I know you don't want to give it away, but just the like the idea behind the Isaiah chapter and how God has led you through healing in that. Yeah. So first of all, thank you. You have, you've always been such an encouragement to me and I'm grateful for you for more than one way. Um, but that's definitely one of them. So, um, yeah, so I, it was around September or so this year. Um, 
I remember kind of, you know, we had gone on the sabbatical and come back home and I can remember, um, kind of a heaviness coming over me. And that is, you know, I think if you've ever grieved something or, you know, have ever kind of gone through darker times or harder times sort of hit you out of nowhere, or you just, there's seasons of ups and downs. And I remember being really kind of down, um, in the season and just hungry for the word of God and hungry for him to meet me. Um, just to meet me. And I don't know how I ended up in Isaiah 55, but I did. Um, and I just started reading the verse. Uh, and it's really I, an invitation from God to come um, to him. Um, just read you the first few verses. Come everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. And you without money, come buy, come eat, come buy wine and milk without money and at no, no cost. Um, and I think that's the heart of God. To me, this is kind of hospitality. Like he's inviting us to his table. And he's saying, mm-hmm. come, like, enjoy all of these things. Um, and I love to invite people over and I love to have, you know, kind of get into the nitty gritty, but you don't sit somebody on the couch and be like, you know, tell them to confess all of their darkest secrets. <laughs> love on them. Um, so that's what he's doing. And so he's mm-hmm. inviting and just come. How many times in the Bible does God say, come, come to me, come to me, just mm-hmm. come to me, be near me, come to me. That's it. Like, I promise there's no really agenda. Just come. Um but he does go on to sort of now get into the nitty gritty. And, uh, in that, you know, in the chapter, he, um, he goes on to, um, ask us to, to repent essentially of our sins and to get really honest with ourselves. Um, and you know, there's one of, one of the verses, uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah or 55, eight, um, is quoted a lot. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration for as high, for as heaven is higher than the earth. So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So of course we know that God is bigger. Like he knows more than we do. He's the first, the last and the in-between he's Mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, But I think what's so interesting about this verse is it comes after him inviting us into repentance and to turn from our wicked ways. And none of us really want to think of ourselves as wicked and maybe our sins or more or less or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's an invitation. Come sit at my table and then really think about where you're at in your life um, and what's going on and, um, and really turn from those, those ways and whatever your sin is, if it's big, if it's small, if it's in between um, so that he may have compassion on you. That's like, that's what he's talking about is my ways are higher than your ways. I promise you there's a better way. Um, and that was like, spoke, spoke to me a lot just because of all of the things that I've told you, um, leading up to this. But I think in, in our lives, like, um, we, I don't know. So it's kind of hard. I have to, um, I think after going through everything that I went through, I had to come back to the basics and just say like, what, what is this all about? Mm -hmm. Like, like, just kind of show me your gospel, like show me the way to flourish in life. Um, And this is the way to me to flourish. Come to me, like Mm -hmm. sit at my table. I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to give you these good good things. And then I might ask you a few hard questions Mm -hmm. because I promise my way is the way to freedom. Um, And then it goes on to talk about a whole bunch of good things, Um, but I'm going to skip to the end. Mm -hmm. It says, you will indeed go out with joy and be peacefully guided. The mountains and the hills will break into singing before you and the trees of the fields will clap their hands instead of the thorn bush 
this version says a cypress tree will come up, but another version says pine trees will grow instead. So that is the mm. title of my book. Um, pine trees will grow. Um, and it's just the way to human flourishing, right? It's the answer, I think, to everything. Like Jesus died for our sins. It's Good Friday. There's no better mm-hmm. day sort of thinking about what he did for us. Like, yeah. you know, I, before that in, in um, Isaiah 53, it talks about how um, he was a man of great sorrows. He bore all of our sin on mm. the cross. Like that's the whole point of this. And then he goes on to say like in 55, this is it. This is the way, like, it's not that hard. Just consider where you're at. Like return to me, come to me, return mm. to me, and go out and flourish. And I think that that's done um, in community and with each other. Um, and so, yeah, so that's what I'm writing about. I'll share my story. Um, I'll talk about repentance and sin, but ultimately the hope of the gospel, Mm -hmm. um, and why Jesus did all this for us anyway. So it's so good, Julie. Um, and I love you recently said this, um, to me and it's been something I have been thinking of and clinging to the last three weeks. You said repentance is a gift. And I think that even now when I say that, I want to cry and I get chills because um, it's like in my heart, I know that. I know that the Lord wants us to repent and um, that we find healing on the other side of it. But it is so hard for me to repent. I feel like I'm stubborn. I'm prideful. um, I'm very slow to repentance. which is kind of ironic because when the kids fight and argue, I'm like, you need to like ask for forgiveness right now. But um, I think you saying that one line has transformed how I walk through life in a sense because it like it dis what do you disables all the pressure to be perfect or the pressure to um, appear that everything is okay or to not be hurt by things or when I do hurt somebody that like to act in so much fear. I get so fear-based that they're going to stop loving me or it's going to hurt the friendship or, and obviously sin does hurt things. But I think you saying that has changed my thinking to be like, when I repent, whether it's to God or to other people, it's a gift. Like it brings unity. It brings healing. Um, I can let down everything at the feet of Jesus. And he meets us just like you said, like at his table and, um, And I think sometimes repentance is repenting of sins, but it also sometimes is just repenting of confessing wrong thinking, like the lies we believe and the shame that we have. And so um, anyway, I think that it just is such a gift in itself, that one line, repentance is a gift, because that's when we can be our true flourishing self, like you're saying, and grow up as a pine tree. I just love your imagery. I love this book is going to be so good. I can't wait for when it's done. Yeah. Um, You said it. it, To me, it was the visual that stuck out. And, you know, I have, at the time that I was um, really praying about it and going through this hard time, I really needed God to to show me, like show me Mm -hmm. something give me imagery, show me, show me something. And, and to me, it was, this is how you flourish. You'll go out like, you know, seed will come up from the ground. Um, and there's just, a, there's a cool story with that too, of like, um, I, we were on our way to, to Wisconsin for a trip and he gave, he gave me these verses. And then on the plane, um, I had loaded uh, the Maverick city album mm-hmm. and there, there's a, a song called the Isaiah song in there. And it talks about, um, uh, how the barren lands oh. sing and water is mm-hmm. coming to the thirsty. 
Uh, oh, you're an empty. I am the well. Come to me. I will provide. And then we landed in Wisconsin and we ended up in the middle of a pine tree farm, mm. like a pine tree farm. I'm like, okay, God, like, and a lot oh. of it's like so much of it. What I think when he says my ways are higher than your ways, another cool story about that today. I get passionate about this because he's like a lot of times it's just, um, when I think about healing, um, and you know, going through these things, it's just stepping where God already is. So if you're afraid to repent of your unbelief or wrong thinking or some a way that you hurt somebody or whatever, like God's already there. So just step there. Right. So mm-hmm. like the pine tree farm was there already. I just stepped into it and, mm-hmm. and saw it, created these things. Like he created this, this so good. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I get really passionate about that. So he, it, the way that he sort of lined those things all up for me was really confirmation of, and nobody really likes to talk about repentance and, and right. sin. the only way to hope. Um, and I just sort of like, I think because I, I practice it enough myself, like it's really no big deal. And mm-hmm. I think to speak to your fear of like, will people run away or reject, you know, they'll actually come a whole lot closer. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. at least in my experience. And I think that's when we, we all become human. Like we mm-hmm. want to grasp control, especially in today's society. We want to have it all together you know, as moms, like we don't want to be the one that ever gets angry. Like, <laughs> right. Like mm-hmm. it's really okay. Like nothing is, nothing can surprise God. I feel like anytime, like nothing can surprise me anymore. Like just let's talk about it. Sit down. Mm-hmm. Like that's how we have freedom. And mm-hmm. that's why God gave us each other. Like he created the heavens and the earth and then us each other to enjoy mm-hmm. the heaven and the earth and, and everything he's created. And then us to like, enjoy each other. Like that's why he gave us each other. Right. Mm, Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah. Anyway. That's so good. Oh, Julie, I wish we had like two more hours and we could go into a counseling session with myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on, for sharing your story, your, um, Honesty and vulnerability, I know, is going to touch so many listeners' hearts and just give them the freedom to share and let down and repent and confess and go to someone. And so I'm just so grateful for you and your story and your story of hope. And what was it David spoke over you? A wounded healer. That is so right on. Like you are going to be used to heal so many and you already are. So I'm just so grateful for you. Um, if people want to follow up and just check you out on Instagram or wherever, where can they find you? Um, Instagram. I think it's Julie K. Cannon. I think I changed it. Let me just make sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it's Julie, J-U-L-I-E, a letter K, Cannon, C-A-N-N-O-N. That's where I hang out the most. I also have two golf accounts. If any of you picked up on the golf part, <laughs> yes, my golf accounts from there. But that's my main one where I, you know, write some stuff. So okay, perfect. Oh, thank you so much for being on today, Julie. It was such a gift. Thank you. So good to see you. You too. Bye. <laughs> Hey guys, thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening. This episode was so good. Each one of these series is just gold. I love what everyone brings to the table, what they share. I was so encouraged by them and I hope you are too. Satisfied is out. I cannot believe it. It is so fun seeing you guys post about it and talk about it. If you guys have a copy, take pictures 
tag me in it. Tell me what you love about it. It is just such a joy to have it finally out in the wild for you guys to read. If you haven't ordered the book yet, make sure you go anywhere books are sold, satisfiedbook.com. If you make any of the recipes, tag me, make a pie. I want to see what you're making. Thank you for coming along on this journey with me.